when I was four, my babysitter was studying a child psychology degree and she used me as a test subject. And she wrote this whole research paper and I was given it by my parents on the weekend and I was reading it and this, this line cracked me up. Are you ready? When asked what he wanted to do when he grew up, Jamie said, they used to call me Jamie, I'm going to be lots of things. <laughs> Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high performance results in your business. Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Think, Act, Get. Ezra Firestone here with my co-host and partner, as always, James Shramko. James, how you doing, man? I'm doing so great, Ezra. As I look out the window, the surf is firing today, so I'm very, yeah. very excited. And as Dare I say that you looked sun-kissed. I have been sun-kissed. I've, I've actually been, for the last five weeks, I've been traveling in tropical climate zones, so I've, I've gone a few shades browner and my surfing's improved. And life is good. It looks good on you, man. You had a funny hat on. I saw a picture of you wearing like one of those funny Australian hats. I, I do wear this. It's this Patagonia hat that's padded. Okay. Maybe it's not native to Australia. Yeah. But it, it keeps the sun off my head. And also, if I manage to touch the reef with it, it's just giving me that slight layer of protection. It is the daggiest hat ever. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a helmet. Yeah. It's kind of like a... It's like a... Like a you know it's daggy when the photographer says, sure, you're going to wear the hat? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't... Were you taking pictures in your hat? Was this a thing? The, well, the, the lady... Oh, the surfing pictures. Yeah, the, yeah, the surfing what pictures. this photographer yeah. does, this is a good business lesson, actually. Uh, and hi, hi, listeners, by the way, you probably have no idea what's going yeah, on. Yeah, hey there. Uh, anyway, she's, she goes, she hitches a ride with the surfing tour company and sits in the boat with a super long telescopic lens and just takes photos of everyone out there and then sticks them up on a website and... Surfers love nothing more than a good picture of themselves on a wave. Oh, sure. I think anyone loves nothing more than a good picture of themselves doing something cool, right? Right. But, uh, you know, if you didn't have a picture, you didn't right, do it, right. right? So, And then they put them up on the website. You go along and you buy the, the rights to the image and they send you the, the raw file and then you can do whatever you want with it. So it's a great little business model. What do you spend on, a, on an image? It can really vary, but it's generally it could be like $20 US per picture. It, it could even be wow. a lot more places that are more exotic and where there's that's a, harder to get a picture. That's a real nice profit margin. Some of them char can charge that's like a, $80 or 100 and something for a bunch of pictures. So, wow. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. This episode is episode 70 of Think Act Get, uh, which is a great milestone for us. And we're talking about reverence which is a deep respect for someone or something that's tinged with awe. And we'll get into the difference between awe and reverence later. Uh, reverence, what is it? How are you using it? And how is it affecting your business and your life? That's what we're looking at in this episode of Think I Get. Tell you what, that's an unusual single word topic for the episode. What inspired it? Yeah, it's something that I've been thinking about because of how valuable I find this skill set in my life. And I've got um, uh, you know, a couple 
couple things I want to say about it. So like reverence is interesting because it's not something that can be pushed upon you. It's only something that you can offer freely, you know, and that's kind of its beauty. Like you sort of need things that you perceive to be worthy of respect because in general you limit, you know, the, uh, you give, you limit the respect you give yourself because for one thing, you know yourself and you're usually your harshest judge. And the more that you bestow respect outwardly and the greater value you attribute. So the more you bestow respect outwardly, like the more you're willing to revere, the greater value you actually attribute to yourself and your whole universe. So like you end up living in a more valuable world. And I'll explain in, in, in some specific examples here in a moment, but you end up in living in a more valuable world because you see it as more valuable. So like the worth of your whole entire world appreciates to the extent that you appreciate it, to the extent that you have reverence for things and people in your life. And sort of simply put, Doing anything mindfully will increase its value and have you living in in a better, you know, more valuable place in your mind and in relationship to the things in your life. And I would recommend starting with your closest intimate relationship, like practice taking extra care there. And it's a practice that sort of appreciates across your entire life. Like if you have reverence and great respect for any area of your life, business, a hobby, a partner, you end up with more value in every other area of your life because you're practicing essentially uh, appreciation. Yeah. I was going to ask you if it's a close related cousin to something like gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. I think, I think that in fact, if you get down to your quote, your quote starts with gratitude bestows reverence. Well, we won't, we won't spoil it. We'll save up the powder. Let's not, uh, (laughs) let's not spoil that, you know? Uh, Although just uh, for for reference here, quite often uh, Ezra prepares the show notes and I get, um, a little surprise close to the time, but I got to say I didn't didn't really know much about this topic. So I'm enjoying learning about this as 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 much as you're enjoying sharing this. So I I guess I've got reverence for your hippy dippy insights that have come from somewhere that I haven't been exposed to. Absolutely, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, especially the hippy dippy uh, classification. But let's take a look at you. You have reverence for knowledge and learning. You are always reading something. You're always um, up on some new thing. Like you, you have this great reverence for consuming, for knowledge in general. I mean, it's sort of a general thing to say, but it seems to me that you have this deep respect for, for learning, for, for exposing yourself to new ideas and topics and sort of that keeps you in your business and in your life on the cutting edge. I mean, you've got, you have set yourself up in a very interesting way, better than most people. I would say, you know, if you were to compare the lifestyle that you have to a lot of the lifestyle. Now let's not say that there weren't a lot of things that went into that hard work, luck, whatever you want to call it. Like there's a lot of things that, that factor into you having a really awesome life. But one of them is your reverence for knowledge, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I've certainly, there's, there's two types of mindsets, according to one professor I was in one of the books that I was reading, ironically, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And the, the growth mindset sort of, as the more you, the, the more you learn and more you get exposed to, the more you realize there's more to learn and you get exposed to. And I've certainly been rewarded by taking an interest in developing, you know, my knowledge in certain areas, especially through my business career, understanding self and mindset and habits. And I was put under some classics like Maxwell Maltz's Psycho-Cybernetics at an early age. And I was put under selling books. And then I went and discovered all these books on negotiation and management and leadership and then strategy and I've just been rewarded for that process. The process is really simple. I, I bring in information, I process that information or synthesize it in, in my own 
sort of way of ordering it. I'm somehow able to remember a lot of it and I'm able to store it away and develop patterns. And then the the next step, and it's a critical one, and I think this is what's missing for a lot of people, is I start implementing. Whatever I read, I start implementing. I start testing it. So it works better if you're in an environment where you can implement straight away. So when I was reading about sales and negotiation and management, I was in the dealership applying this stuff every day and what I noticed was I was getting improved results. So I started to lock that in as my new default modality and then each time I took in a book or a cassette or a good conversation with a rich customer and I had lots of those, I was able to then upgrade my software so to speak. I think that's probably the best analogy. Mm. And at the same time, I was I, I actually reached this point where I felt like I was full. I'd reached capacity. You hear these days people talking about overload. And I would just push it to a journal or a spreadsheet and and like a hard drive and then clear my cache and then take on some new stuff and keep improving and refining the operating system. And that's why I have a reverence for learning because it's just given me such a reward. Yeah, and and I think that that practice can be applied. You know, you don't have to necessarily have a business, right? You can pick habits or you can pick, you know, a relationship and you can sort of apply uh, reverence to that. And, you know, it's interesting because we, we, we in the description of reverence, it says a deep respect or uh, for something or someone that is tinged with awe. And Solomon described awe as passive but reverence as active. So noting that kind of the feeling of awe, becoming awestruck, implies paralysis, where the feelings of reverence are associated with like a more active engagement and responsibility toward that which one reveres. So so awe is essentially passive, right? You can get awestruck by something and be paralyzed by awe. But here with reverence, we're actively bestowing greatness and then you end up with that greatness in your life because you created it because you're bestowing it. So an example, here's an example. Um, I bow on and off the mats, right? Uh, so when I go to jujitsu class, which I do all the time, I really love this art of uh, grappling. I'm really into it. Now, it's not required to bow on and off the mats. You don't have to do that. But I do that for me. I do it because I'm paying homage to something. I'm not doing it because someone is telling me to do it. I'm expressing that reverence just because I think it makes my life better. And that's sort of the freest form of reverence. Like rather than doing something because it's a formula, you do it because you want to. So I respect the space of where jujitsu happens on this mat. And I show that respect to it by bowing. And that makes me feel good. So it's kind of like it can be described as a sensitivity to greatness. So to the extent that you're willing to express reverence, you actually find more greatness. Like reverence is a path to better having a better time. Like the more that you, and I brought up earlier, like doing it in relationship to your partner. So here's an example. I'm not talking about getting all holy and holding someone as much more valuable than you or any of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about like fundamentally treating things and people the way they want to be treated. So here's an example, right? Carrie does not like glasses put on the floor. That's like an idiosyncrasy she has. She doesn't want those. She doesn't want glasses on the floor. She's afraid they're going to get kicked over. She's afraid they're going to get spilled. So, uh, I honor that request. I, I don't put glasses on the floor, whether or not I think it's okay to have glasses on the floor because she doesn't want them there. I don't put them there. And that's one of the ways that I can show respect for her. Like sort of not the best example, but you know what I'm saying here that like it's an active thing that you are doing and that the more that you do it, the better that things get for you is kind of the, the, 
the gist, you know, in relationship to anything in your life. I just want to just uh, wedge in there with just a little distinction there. You said something vitally subtle, <laughs> and it was to treat people the way they would like to be treated. Yes. Because there's, there's an older saying like, you know, treat people the way that you would like to be treated. But that's flawed because some people are just sickos, right? And <laughs> the way they want to be treated is not going to be – doesn't apply. And that's why I think going to that extra step of being relevant and and doing your research and observing what people do and don't like and then tailoring it for them. And a great example of that might be Christmas. You wouldn't buy someone necessarily a present that you would like to receive – you would buy a present that they would like to receive. So in turn, it makes sense to to treat them with that same rule. And that's something that we got drummed into us by our uh, fantastic state general manager at Mercedes-Benz. He used to go around and beat us up about this all the time, treat people the way they want to be treated. Mm. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, well, it's so good because it's such a good – it's a way of showing that respect that you have for the people and things that you relate to is by, you know, being willing to do things on their terms, you know, and uh, I just, I feel like it's been super valuable to me and I kind of wanted to to uh, just bring up this conversation of deep respect for the things that you engage in because the more that you're willing to go into that, the it's just like seems that your life gets better uh, the more that you're willing to have appreciation and respect for the things that you participate in. I'm going to switch the subject. I want to talk to you about the best ways to have a reverence for your business. Uh, I think you'd be a good, good topic. But before we do that, I want to um, talk about how to use your ego to get better at something, uh, which was kind of the way I described this experience that I had with this jujitsu tournament. So I recently, uh, yeah, I, I uh, this last Saturday uh, went into battle. And what I mean by that is I, I entered a local jujitsu competition where the uh, sort of game that we were playing was uh, my opponent, who is my same size and skill set, is going to attempt to strangle me and break my limbs. And my agenda is to not let him do that uh, and attempt to put him into a submission hold. So this was like the rules of engagement, right? It was really fascinating. And I'll tell you about my experience there. But basically, I, my my more than going to a tournament and winning a medal or fighting someone like what I was interested in was getting better at this art that I'm participating in jujitsu the same way you want to get better at surfing right and so I had this I used this competition as an excuse to get better at it because I knew that I was going to have to show up in front of my peers and friends and and you know go out there into competition and so because I don't want my ego to be bruised by getting beat up which you know hey you know it'll happen whatever you lose but I uh, used my ego to get better at it. And I trained really hard. I got a lot better at it. You know, in the, in the months leading up to this competition, I went into this competition. I had a one match, five minute battle, and it was really good. I did really well. I'll show you the video. Maybe we can post the video if you want. And I ended up winning. Sure. Who who doesn't want to see Ezra grappling with another yeah. man? But what happened was, uh, I it was so much more difficult than I had anticipated from a uh, cardiovascular perspective, and also just like. Uh -huh. Like you're supposed to chill out in there, you know, you're supposed to relax, you know what I mean? And just like only, uh, you know, go after stuff when you, you know, see an opening. And I just went like full blast for five minutes. So at the end of it, like my whole body went into contraction. My muscles were all spasming. I was super tired. This guy threw me in like this leg lock at the end of it for like the last 30 seconds. He had me in this submission hold that I didn't, uh, you're supposed to tap out if it hurts, but I was like fighting out of it. And so he ended up kind of hurting my foot a little bit. Like, I mean, basically <laughs> he broke my will, man. I won the match. 
match, but I was like, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> but the point was that you can use your ego to get better at stuff. Uh, and that's sort of off topic, but it was a, it was, you know, it worked. So your ego wanted you to come out of that ring without being embarrassed. Yeah. I didn't want to be embarrassed. I wanted to show, you know, I wanted to show off for my friends and, and teammates and stuff. And so, um, I used that excuse. I used that assigned author. I used that outside force as an excuse to, uh, achieve something. And, and we were kind of having this conversation earlier, right? Like you've got this big event coming up and you put on, in my opinion, the best event in the, what hemisphere are you in? Are you in the, uh, Southern Southern hemisphere. You put on the best event in the Southern hemisphere. You know, you're like, uh, I can't even say that. How about that? But I, if you're talking about internet marketing and online business and how to do that well, there's no better event in Australia. That's for dang sure. And you do it yearly and it's such a good event. And we were talking about how having that deadline of that event is happening forces you to create content, forces you to organize things because you want to go out there and you want to put on a good show for the people who bought tickets, you know? So I think this, you know, we, we have the same experience when we put on our events is, you know, we know, Hey, August 4th and 5th, we got to be up there presenting to our community and we need to be, you know, up to snuff. So we put extra effort in leading up to it. Uh, and I think that that is just a cool thing that you can use. You can use excuses of, having to be in some form of public display to get better or do more in your business or your life. Well, I find uh, one, one of the tools that I access is visioning. I just uh, close my eyes and I imagine me presenting, I uh, see my customers looking up at me, eagerly anticipating uh, the knowledge that I've promised them to be delivered. And then I think about how would I like to deliver that? What reaction am I going to get? How will I move them from the time they start that session to the time they finish that session how will they feel what will they know how to do that they didn't know before what notes would be in their notebook and then how would i articulate my presentation to engineer that outcome and then i set about creating it that's my process yeah and you have a really good um you have a really good sort of formula which you do a lot of these things you create formulas which i think makes your life easier um about how to create uh, pieces of content, like something like who, what, what are they going to get? I, I I used it for a training course a while back. Do you know what you remember what I'm talking about? I remember we, we talked about yeah format and we used it for um, your brown box format. That's right, that's back. right. We, we sat down and, and wrote it out on the whiteboard. And you know, once you get the starting point, it's so much easier. I, was, I actually took the slides that I used for a presentation at Buck's event. He's a good dude. He's a bit of a legend. And then I modified them for your event, and now I've been modifying them since your event for my event. They'll be quite different by the time we get to my event, but the core or the the sort of bone structure of it is the same because it's so effective. It was well received, and I'm just repolishing it to be the right gem for my audience. I love I love that idea of reusing past work, innovating on top of past work. And I was uh, talking to uh, my friend Drew Sanaki, who's also speaking at this uh, upcoming, uh, we're both speaking at this big industry event in San Diego. And he was like, well, what do I do? He said, do, do what you did last year, but better and bigger and more dialed in. And, you know, like <laughs> use that same thing that resonated, that touch that people felt that they enjoyed, but make it better, you know? So I'm a big fan of, of, of leveraging past efforts, you know. I think it, it, it's something we have to watch out for. Did we talk about this in a previous episode when I had a bit of a clash with 
my daughter's teacher because no no i'd love to hear that well she got marked down she's a brilliant student she she got a like she was published in the paper for her end of school certificate and uh, she's doing a, a really high level course at university but when she was at school she got sort of marked down and i asked the teacher why did she get marked down and she said well she used the same topic for her in-class presentation as her written story and i said well what was the brief she goes well she had to she had to write a you know do a presentation she had she had to do a story and i said well so so she did it on the same topic of horses at the time which she was very passionate about and the teacher said she should have chosen a different topic i said was that specified she goes well no she essentially took the same content as the speech and then wrote a story about it and I was really looking for her to stretch and do something different. I said, well, hang on. Out in the real world, that's actually rewarded to be able to take a core idea and to extrapolate that across multiple mediums. Is, I mean, that, that gets you a reward. That's, it's very clever. It's you know, developing and refining the story and making it accessible through different formats. That's how the world works. It's a super valuable skill set. This lady's like, yeah, she's like, well, I've been a teacher for 35 years and this is how, and I said, well, that's your problem right there. That's the problem. So you went to school and then you went to school and now you're at school. So what would you know about what's going on out in the real world? I was like, my, my daughter was really mortified that I was having this conversation with her teacher. But from then on the... Yeah, well, she last thing she wants is to be the girl whose dad comes in and, and battles the teacher. Right, but then after that, the teacher didn't didn't harm her at all, gave her better marks and I think had a little bit of respect that there might be some follow-through if things don't work out right. But I really felt that I had a strong point and here's, here's what I'm saying is I've got a reverence for a process that brings the rewards that is just not well understood by general society. This idea that you can take something that works really well and repurpose and leverage it through multiple formats, through different modalities, is a winning idea. And a lot of other people just keep reinventing and reinventing, and they 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 keep um, starting new things all the time and never leveraging the IP that they've developed or that that database or the yeah. algorithm, uh, as Dean Jackson would say. That they, I also think deep is better than wide, frankly. Yeah. Being really, really good at something is better than being okay at a bunch, you know, at a, a bunch of different stuff, you know. And obviously, that's like a general statement, and we could unpack that and go into it. But, but you do end up getting value the more, the deeper you're willing to dive into stuff. And um, I, I, my goal for my team members is like when I bring new people on, it's like, hey, I want you to be an expert copywriter. I want you to be an expert ads manager. I want you to be an expert in all the platforms. And then I give them access to all the information and training and everything they would need to become an expert and give them the opportunity to have autonomy within their role by becoming an expert, you know? Well, I think I've, being a general generalist or general manager, I'm, I'm the, the exception to that role. But you, you want to know something really hilarious? Well, you're, you're really good at a lot of different stuff. And frankly, what you're really good at, well, we, we can get into it, but yeah, I do want to know something hilarious. No, this, this when I was four, my babysitter was studying a child psychology degree and she used me as a test subject and she wrote this whole research paper and I was given it by my parents on the weekend and I was reading it and this, this line cracked me up. Are you ready? When asked what he wanted to do when he grew up, 
Jamie said, they used to call me Jamie, I'm going to be lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it goes on to say this, right? In his few short years, he's experienced many things. For example, he's flown in an airplane many times, more than once, with the pilot. He's helped steer the hydrofoil in Sydney. That's a, like a fast ferry. He brings up many of his experience in general conversation months after they have happened, which shows that they do make an impression on him. So you can see by the age of four, I already revered having multiple experiences. Mm. And I had I actually realized I was going to be a generalist before I could count past 14. <laughs> that's, I mean, that just blows my mind, this stuff. It's amazing how much of our life is formed at such an early age. When I'm reading through this report, I can see how that developed, that that pattern got repeated into my 40s yeah it's it's amazing how much um of a product of your sort it's amazing how much conditioning and 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 you growing up in a hippie commune i mean you've you're just such an alternative dude in life in general and and a lot of that has to do with how you were raised i'm telling you conditioning is really heavy stuff man how you are conditioned you are a product of your society you're a product of the viewpoints that the people who raised you had and it's always fascinating when you confront how much like of the things that you think when you think about why do i think these things a lot of it comes from conditioning. Like a lot, a lot, a lot comes from conditioning. And then some of it comes from our DNA and our, our hardware. So we've got the software element. We've got the hardware element. And uh, and then, of course, the people you hang around stimulate the discussions you have. Like, And that's, that's what we're saying before. Hang around people at live events. You come away a different person because you get a couple of ideas that sink in. And I was actually on a coaching call before this call and one of my students who's very successful like she's got nearly a million followers in social media and wow she was repeating back to me some of my concepts you know she was talking about the chocolate wheel and uh, she's talking about how you know taking a lot more responsibility with her team and these things that i teach you remember the spider-man slide and my yeah. presentation there great one with great responsibility comes great power yes and it's 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 just good to see these ideas spread out so you can see this direct translation if someone reveres their coach and follows the ideas and they get their rewards then good for them but totally. we have to be we have to be careful where we direct our attention is my point yeah and you have to be careful where you direct your reverence <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, yeah i mean Some you should people revere bad boys don't they like like um some girls date the dudes with the the bad habits and stuff because they're trying to sort of speak out. Yeah, and, and when I was looking this up, um, you know, because my the like what I the gist of you know with these episodes, we're really just trying to get like a point across, like one thing that you can take that will be valuable and and useful. And when I was you know and like sort of this willingness to have a deep respect and honor for different things that you participate in your life and different people that you relate with has been super valuable. And that doesn't mean that you're putting yourself like lower than anyone else or that you're like putting people up on a pedestal and, and respecting them at, at, against your own benefit or whatever, you know, but what was interesting was when I, when I looked it up, there's a lot of, uh, like r- sort of religious connotation with this word. And I didn't want to have this conversation be directed in that capacity. Not that it's bad to revere religion. That's totally a cool, righteous thing to do. But I was just like the conversation about the willingness and that that reverence is active. 
and that you choose, you get to freely give the things that you are willing to respect. And the more, and sort of, if you're going to engage with something in your life or someone in your life, if you're willing to give them your respect and reverence, then you have a more valuable and fulfilled life because you're you know, like, uh, yeah. So anyways, I think we're getting <laughs> to maybe towards the end of this conversation. Why don't we go to the weekly willpower, weekly willpower uh, wager here. So let's roll Carol. Weekly willpower wager. Thank you, Carol. So will, the willpower wager you've got here, what is one thing you could revere more practice having reverence for something or someone once per day? How long would we do this for? For a week? Yeah, it's sort of like, just do it for a week, you know, like, like what, what could I be more mindful in relationship to? Could I be more mindful in relationship to my diet? Could I be more mindful in relationship to my partner? Like, how could I, how could I take my attention off of myself and my own agenda a little bit and look at how I can be of value or, you know, how I can have some fun with or participate in something that is not just, you know, my own stuff. Right. Very cool. It's basically that. So let's move on to news and updates, man. You got an event coming up. Yeah, I've got Superfast Business Live, which is our annual event in Manly. It's March the 16th and 17th. Ticket sales are just about maxed out for our capacity, which is what happens every single year. We get the most ticket sales when we first open tickets to our members, and then we get the most, the next most sales right near the end, like any other product launch, I suppose, where people realize they absolutely must be at this event. And I'm very excited about this event. People can have a turn at, at surfing if they want. It's a lovely resort-style environment here. Probably the best place to learn to surf because it's a sandbar and the waves are small. And Yeah, it's a, it's way easier to learn to surf here than where you took me the first yeah, time. Yeah, well, I was taking you, yeah, I mean, I was taking you out where, where the... But I must where, say, you know. thank you for that yeah. because you introduced me to something that was life-changing. That... I might be the single biggest impact you've had in the world today, you know, just that that single spontaneous decision to throw that foam in the in the back I was going to say the boot of the car, but most of our listeners wouldn't understand what that means. The trunk of the the vehicle. Yeah, well, were we driving in one of the hippie cars? Go down to that that beach, you know. Yeah, and you just grabbed this thing and just ran out and paddled out like a crazy man and started catching waves. I'm like, "What what is what is this insanity? And then you said, all right, let's all go out. You, Kerry, and I went out over this razor-sharp reef and took turns falling off. It was fun. What a great little beach that is, you know? Um, it is. I've been back there since, and I, I, it's got a special place in my I, I, You know, I live at a beach in Manly, and I learned to surf in Hawaii. So. Yeah, well, anyways, it's a good place to learn to surf. Shore. And also, if you're into internet business stuff or you want to be into internet business stuff. Oh, yeah, it's good for that, too. Yeah, great for that. That is a good place to go. <laughs> uh, speaking of surfing, September of 2017, oh, yeah. that's like, uh, when is that? We're talking... Uh, that's 10th, 10th to the 17th or the 17th to the 24th of September. I've I've already paid for a charter boat for that, that two weeks, and I'm selling two one-week trips, and it's a business mastermind where you can also surf or scuba dive or sunbake or read books or whatever you want. We we basically live on the boat. We get get off the plane, we get on the boat and we stay on the boat for a week and then we go back and you get on the plane. And in that week, I will go through your business with you. Other people on the boat, it's about, I think there's total 12 or 14 people only. And we have a crew looking after us, like four meals a day, fully catered, it's twin share accommodation. 
it's probably the best value mastermind you could ever go on a, in an amazing like crystal aqua colored water place. Yeah, and and look, I don't think you need to know how to surf to do it. You know, you could learn. Uh, you don't. You could learn to surf. Not at all. If you don't, if if you don't want to surf, you could uh, do scuba diving or something else. Like there's other things to do. You could go into the village. You could go to this little island that's nearby. You can um, check out the the manta rays that come to the boat at night. It's just it's an it's just an incredible experience, and you you'll come away with some solid business ideas we had keith krantz come on the last one and the facebook stuff he shared at night you know over a a drink up on the top deck there's this little night club we have special lights and a great sound system just we gather around and we share ideas and it's it's just fantastic i love it so much that's why i booked two weeks this year it's paid for it's happening yeah that's a long time dude that's like uh 24th of the year man i I didn't want to get off the boat at the end (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was happy to stay. That's why I said let's let's do two weeks next time. I'm going. To, I'm going to be on that boat for two weeks straight, surfing every day and talking about business, which is pretty much my life these days. What's your uh, price point on that? It's just allow for it to be around four or five thousand dollars US, which, which, which that's inc- not bad. That's, that's includes bad. meals and you know luxury twin share accommodation. They come and change the towels and service your cabin. There's a cabin boy. It's look. It's amazing. Really is amazing. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, on our side, uh, we just had a big milestone in our software as a service company, and we reached our one thousandth active monthly or yearly subscriber. Uh, I think we're at like twelve hundred now. So that's pretty cool. In congratulations, mate. That is just fantastic. I mean, it's and that crazy. S- s- software is a hard nut to crack. So you must have a great product. It, it is. You know what's so funny about it is. I'm seeing all these parallels to e-commerce because like if you look at Smart Marketer, right? Smart Marketer is the information publishing company we have where we have, you know, it's my, I learned a lot about how to do Smart Marketer from guys like you, right? Like you remember I came to you and said, hey, dude, I want to do this thing. Show me what you're doing, you know? So like you, you know, you have a, had a huge influence on Smart Marketer. Guys like Ryan Dice over at Digital Marketer have had a huge influence on it. I've learned a lot about how to do information publishing and masterminds and sort of this uh, information business model. and What's cool about that is we were really successful with it. Smart Marketer did like three and a half million last year in revenue. And what's interesting about Zipify, so Smart Marketer for us is like a cash flow business, meaning it's not an asset. We can't sell it to anyone. It's uh, it's based on my personality in a certain sense. So it's not really like worth anything, And but it's a great business. And we love it and we're going to continue to do it. But you look at our e-commerce businesses like Boom by Sunny Joseph and Be Friendly, and those businesses have uh, asset value. They are um, you know, businesses that could be sold that have value beyond just the money that they make that are brands. And so we thought to ourselves, like, you know, uh, we do a lot of software development as it is. We've always sold software. And one of the ways that we could serve the same community that we're serving with smart marketer and also create an asset business would be by having software as a service. So we kind of rolled out Zipify. And what's been interesting about it is the point that I'm getting to here is that the parallels between uh, e-commerce and software are very interesting. So software, as we scale customer base, our development scales and our customer support scales. So the cost, so it's like e-commerce where as you scale, your cost of goods scale along with you. Software, you know, your your cost of development and your cost of support scale along with your growth of your business. And I've been seeing all these interesting parallels. It's been a really fun sort of, uh, you know, nut to crack or, or new venture to get into because we didn't know anything about software as a service businesses. You know, we're just like, we know. How- so you're developing a reverence for a new business model. Yeah. And, and sort of 
um, seeing this whole new world, this whole new sort of skill set that needs to be, to be developed in order to be successful at selling software as a service that's different from information, that's different than from physical products that requires different sort of skills. And, and it's just really fascinating uh, and super fun. So anyways, the point is that we reached our thousand um, customer milestone. We have our big flagship app, what we believe to be sort of the, the will be like the namesake product of our, of our app company, Zipify, called Zipify Pages. It's a landing page builder for built for e-commerce, specifically for e-commerce, uh, publishes right into Shopify, uh, not on, doesn't work on WordPress, only on Shopify, and sort of works with your product catalog and inventory, and it's really cool, and we're releasing that to the public next week, so we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, I saw you out at uh, Shopify headquarters. In you were twinning with matching gear with uh, Kerry. With Kerry, yeah, yeah. We just happened to both have gray blazers on. It was pretty adorable. Very nice. Yeah, I'm kind of trying to have a real close relationship with them because we're like so deeply married to them at this point. Like all of our apps are built for them, and like our businesses are built on them. So it's like it makes sense to be like in close communication. It's, It's almost like you revere their software platform. Oh, I do. Oh, I do. <laughs> so, anyways, that's what's going on over here. We got any any um, any comments? We'd li- look. We do these episodes. Let me just say something about Think I Get. My mom is here, and my mom was like, "So why?" Oh, yeah, she's here. She's visiting cool. for a couple of days. We're hanging out. We're talking story. It's really fun. And she's like, um, "So tell me about like my dad asked me actually. So how do you make money on Think I Get?" And I said, "Well, Think I Get really isn't about making money. It's about sort of." having the opportunity for people who are interested to go deeper on some of the subjects that we find valuable in relationship to growing our business and having a pleasurable life. And it's about, you know, it's about relationship building. Like we get to build relationship with listeners on a level that's a bit greater than we can with, let's just say, technical content about how to do Facebook ads or whatever. It's great to have a, a, a softer topic. For me, like I've I've had profound life changes from this podcast just from talking to you and getting a different perspective on life because you do bring something very different to the table Ezra so from a personal perspective it's worth it for me to do it just so that we chat on an occasional basis and exchange ideas because it's that's living that's life and I enjoy our conversations if anyone else gets value from it that's a bonus yeah well that's kind of my point here is that like we're doing this because we enjoy it and we would love to hear what you, listener, have to think about this, like what you think about all this stuff, what your viewpoints on it are, uh, your comments on what we're saying. Disagree, that's okay. Like post on our blog, leave a... And, and we also take suggestions for the, the single word topics for the future. If, if there's a topic you'd like to see us tackle, then you can propose it. A lot of our episodes were listener-inspired. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think we've got Matt Coffee here on the Truth episode. You want to read what he had to say? Yeah, he said, I laughed, I cried, I thought deep. This is a really wow. hard issue to cover, one, because facing one's own demons is the real truth. And two, our minds are always seeking pleasure versus pain. And that's where long and short-term objectives get mixed up. What we believe about ourselves and our trajectory in life are so intertwined. Looking in the mirror is the only true answer, as James so poetically points out. In the end, how many mirrors are fogged up on purpose? How do you really enact change? Part of the issue stems from being too comfortable with your truth until it hurts and then you make change. However, those seek a quantum change and accomplish major shifts. What was their truth? Letting go, let go, let go. That's like a a poem. (laughs) It is. Matt Matt Coffey is a wonderful philosopher. I enjoy reading his 
uh, posts in super fast business and uh, watching his videos that he sends me for reviews. He's a deep guy. I, I love it. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. So, are you keeping your quote uh, today that I kind of gave away earlier? All right, all right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, so be ready for surprise. My quote is, Gratitude bestows reverence, allowing us to encounter everyday epiphanies, those transcendent moments of awe that change forever, how we experience life and the world. John Milton. Yeah, you know, so it, all this stuff is, you know, we've done gratitude and we've done an episode on gratitude, right? I think we did. Yeah. Like all this sure stuff kind of kind of ties together in a certain way. So my quote is, let parents bequeath to their children, not riches, but the spirit of reverence by Plato. I really like this because, uh, you know, like the Eskimo cultures have reverence for their elders. It's imbued. It's, in, it's communicated at a very early age as a part of that culture to have that value of reverence for your elders. And I think that's a cool, a cool one. But I also think, yeah, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to pass something on to someone, let it be the sort of desire and willingness to uh, respect themselves and, and their life. Uh, so this is uh, Think I Get episode 70 on reverence, a deep respect for someone or something tinged with awe reverence. What is it? How are you using it? And how is it affecting your business and your life? That's what we've been looking at in this episode of Think, Act, Get. These episodes are about mindset, behavior, and results. Our focus is to improve your life and your business. And everything that we do is dedicated towards you, our listener. That's why we're doing this. So thanks so much for for listening, James. Always a pleasure, man. Love this stuff and uh, look forward to the next one. I'm deeply looking forward to our next one. Ezra, thank you so much. I think might be tomorrow, dude. I think we might be doing one tomorrow. If it was, that'd be very exciting. Oh, <laughs> we, okay, maybe we it's do, not. We, I don't know. No, I don't think it is. Just, just yeah, quietly, I'm but, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> but, but that would be good. That'd be my wildest, uh, you know, fantasy to, to have another episode of Think at Get in the short term. Let's, let's make it happen. And uh, yeah, yeah. Why don't you do a wacky sound effect to close off as per, per our tradition? I'm gonna tell you now, boy. I'm gonna tell you. I'm on Facebook now. Good one. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's what I had there. That was like sort of well, like that, uh, yeah, hill, hill hillbilly twang. You could keep developing that one. It's got some potential. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to. Go, yeah, I was kind of looking for that like that one up from Rolrigo. Your um, yeah, no, Rolrigo. He's sort of he's sort of quiet, but the. That was sort of inspired by. <laughs> he's the quiet. He's a stuffed dummy that you roll around with jiu-jitsu just for for perspective. Uh, <laughs> we might put a picture of Ezra and Rolrigo. I took a screenshot before when you were demonstrating it. Yeah, for me, you could definitely yeah. use that. Um, but uh, that was sort of maybe maybe Bobcat Goldthwait inspired. Yeah. Um, remember Bobcat Gold? Anyways, we'll talk. All right. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> See you, mate. This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get with James Schramko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free. 